Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ruby Frankie was known by millions as a very tough mom. That's exactly the way she wanted it. The social media star amassed a huge following of supporters and detractors alike preaching the values of strict discipline. But you'll learn in a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus how the small empire built by this momfluencer crumbled the moment her 12-year-old son escaped their home and called 911. Wondery and Law and & Crime bring you the new podcast, The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie, which explores the allegations of starvation, torture, and emotional abuse leveled against Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. Learn about the family's path to stardom, the depravity investigators uncovered inside the home, and hear in-depth analysis of the ongoing criminal trial. Listen to the rise and fall of Ruby Frankie exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Welcome back to the Two Nerdies podcast. I'm your co-host, J- Timmy Long, and today James is going to jump in after me. But today we have two special guests. We have Joe Carney and Gary Wade. They have recently made a comedy about dyslexia, which is called Standing Up. It's out on New Year's Day. And we're just going to introduce Joe first and then we move on to Gary. So how are we getting on, Joe? I'm good. I'm good. Really good. Delighted yeah. to be here. Thanks a million. Yeah. So uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about your own background, maybe in yeah. acting? And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um 13 years old, I go along to the Country Club Hotel, no, the Montalotti Hotel, and I'm going along with a couple of friends. I don't know why. And uh, I've, it's an audition. And um, so I go into the audition with them, spend a the whole day there. We leave. I'm told to come back the next day. The next day, I find out that it's actually a feature film that's going to be made. So now I'm getting nervous. And then the next day, I have to come back again and meet the director. And I have to come back with my parents. And it turns out it was Warner, Buttons, Warner Brothers produced by David Putnam. Mm. And uh, so that I landed a part in that. I actually landed a part called Chick, mm. which, had, which was a principal actor, but a smaller part. And for some reason or another, whatever it might be, it might be, you know, aesthetics in the sense that I might look like they paired me up with Little Con as his big brother, which was a bigger part. So luckily for me. Mm. Good so, movie too. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what? I, I, I still get messages today from randomers from yeah. like, from like. Mexico or somewhere and yeah. we're friends on Facebook just because they've reached out and it's, yeah. it's, it's the innocence of it like the, do you know what the, the crack and, and uh, the mischief but is, the cock, it's the cock accents and the cock young fellas the yeah. cheekiness and the mischievousness yeah. there's, a, there's a bit of that like isn't yeah. it there's a bit of kind of that like there's this fierce childhood kind of you know aura about it like you know mm-hmm. it just really brings no matter what age you are it yeah. kind of brings you back to being a child I yeah. think you know yeah. was that the first big uh, that was um was it it, you're probably right. Memory, yeah, yeah probably. You're, you're probably yeah. right. I, ca- I can't think of like the field. The field, but that that would that would have been Sligo and up the yeah. country and Galway. There's not of, that, that many cock movies, or the wind that shakes the valley. And it was in that as well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, no, but yeah, there, there wasn't really. Angela's Ashes. Some of that was shot in Cork. Oh yeah, that's um, right. I was but in it was man. based. It was based. I in was Limerick. in the man that time. Well, when yeah, they used to have yeah. their trailers up in the yard. Yeah, and uh, my cousin, our cousin, myself, and Ryan's cousin Ryan. 
was a five-year-old extra and this is came to fame today and he's about 30. That's sad. That's <laughs> sad. That's you might remember me from... Uh, that's his story. Yeah, and he's old. Yeah, he's <laughs> a small foxy neglected kid. That's my hand. Industry. That's my hand. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, yeah. But that, that was my introduction to the whole world of, um, of... We went down to West Cork for three months and uh, stayed in Union Hall, Maria's schoolhouse at the time. And um, there was about maybe... Uh, I think there was there was 17 or 18 principal actors that were staying in this one chaperone by four people. And uh, and that was it. That was my introduction to it. But but it was left there. It was parked mm. there. And I went back to school and that was it. And I didn't really do any more acting. There was the, the casting directors who was uh, Hubbard Casting. They were big casting agency now. But back then they were uh, they were just after doing the commitments. This is how they became hot. Mm. Ward Buttons, Angela's Ashes and a few other things. They went on to the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, 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 they they, became, awful, they yeah. became international casting directors, like really mm. world renowned. And uh, But they, they um, you know, the only reason I got parts in I did a small part in um, Fallen for a Dancer, which was with Colin Farrell as well. And that was just because of them. They, mm. they, they, they invited me down to audition uh, with the director. But I didn't pursue acting is my point. And um, the only time I ever pursued acting, I think, was when I heard Ken Loach was in town and for the win of Shakes of Barley. Mm. And I just made a phone call to get an audition. And that was the only time that, that I kind of went to pursue it. And uh, not not the only time. That was my first time. Yeah. Uh, mm. pursue I always wanted to be an actor. I just didn't really know how to become one. Did right? you have to go like to drama school or was it just kind of a natural ability? I, I, I didn't. I, I didn't. I, I imagine it would help greatly. Like, you mm. know, it but would it's, help. It's quite a natural thing with you, isn't it? Mm. In our, in the show, what we did, uh, Tom, Jar's dad yeah. makes an appearance and we, we had him on set. Ah, brilliant. Ah, brilliant. You didn't have to tell him anything. Mm. Tom, Some people have a natural. Go over there, say this and walk back that yeah. way. You know? Yeah, I, I imagine, I, like even in standing up, I mean, there's there's people who acted for the first time in it, and they're just. just what are you like, playing looking at them. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's standing up about? Well, I let Gary take the reins on that because mm. Gary kind of gave birth to it, really. Yeah. Um, so I jump in, so <laughs> Gary, and, and give us a little bit about yourself and how you. Um, All right, whole area. I, I give you the backstory to how the whole thing came about, if that's okay. I was, I was teaching above in Limerick. Um, it's about 2005. It's a long time ago. And I was walking out through the courtyard in uh, University of Limerick and I saw a sign outside a college bar saying um, uh, open mic comedy night. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, Jesus, I'd love to do that. But I was, I sure I was afraid. It was, it was exciting, mm. but I was afraid at the same time, you know, that kind of way. And um I was only saying it to Jar last night, just walking home, I chickened out and then walking home, I just said, God, imagine if you were this character who was, um, if you were gifted at comedy, but you had massive anxiety. And then that kind of character just became very real in my head very quickly. I named him Barry Collin on the show. The following day I was writing it and I called it Standing Up. And then for a few years, it, it was always in my head. I was writing a bit. We, we shot a bit of a pre-pilot, but it was only okay because my writing wasn't good enough at the time. Mm. I was kind of, I just, I suppose it's experience, isn't it? I hadn't had enough trial and error and all that of writing, writing things. And then um, a few other people got involved. They were great. But I, I, I was like, like I used to get in a lot of trouble at school because I, I daydream and I'd be, I just, I drift off into these little scenarios and it's mad. You get in trouble for those things and then you could ultimately end up making a career out of it in mm. later life. 
But I, so I was always kind of hanging out with this character in my head, but I couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. I, that probably sounds a little strange, but I couldn't figure out why is he so anxious? What's wrong with him all the time? And then I started just observing my students mm. above in Limerick. Are you teaching in a university? Yeah. So I was at that time I was teaching economics in University of Limerick, yeah. And I've been teaching everywhere else since and so on. But I just started observing my students and uh I just leave my guard down around them. And they'd they 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 I don't know, I think I was quite approachable. Mm-hmm. So after class they they they'd speak to you and they'd be just talking about dyslexia. Anxiety, yeah. dyslexia, anxiety was everywhere. And then it just came to me one day, oh my God, mm. Barry Collins is a genius, but he can't read. Yeah. And I said, what a place to start for a character. And I had met Jur in the pre-pilot phase and he, he had acted in it and I thought he was remarkable. And I didn't think, and he is remarkable and he's quite humble now when he speaks about his beginnings yeah. in acting. And I was thinking... um, Oh my God, what I could do with him and his ability if I, if I was able to write it the best way. And, uh, I said about writing it the best way. Like, I mean, I'll never forget when he walked into the room first. As I say, I'd been living with this character in my head for, for years. And, um, I was at home one night in, uh, in my kitchen. I was just on the phone to someone and a tape came true because we had, we had, publicized that we were looking for people and a tape came through of Jar acting in a in a short piece he'd filmed himself. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I was like, that is exactly who um, I was looking for. And hundreds of people auditioned at the time. And only one I only had one name auditioning for the main part. And I swear to God I was just praying, be half as good as I think you are. And when he came in he was much better. And it kind of went from there. Mm. So from there, we, um, it was, there was just unbelievable ups and downs. Um, there's a piece I'm writing for a thing and in, in coming out online in the next while I share it with you at some point, but it did the ups and downs were unbelievable. Kind of went from there into, uh, I signed a development deal. Um, I signed a TV development deal with it, with a kind of an international broadcaster and it was amazing. And I gave up teaching and it was all exciting. And, you know, you're saying, oh God, I'm a producer now and everything like I'd have mm. to, I'd have to get rid of the cash gay. <laughs> <I'd have to> <laughs> but, uh, you're kind of thinking all that. And then one Friday, I just got a phone call. The station had been co- got into financial difficulty and I just got told, God, it's over. It's over. And then I opened, uh, I said, oh, Jesus. And that was just getting really interesting because I really liked the scripts, you know, and, and we can all be quite harsh on ourselves, but I remember reading the scripts going, there's something in this. And a lot of feedback was, God, there's something there. And uh, so on. So uh, I opened then the Cork School of Economics, went back teaching. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, oh, we'll do that. No, it's fine. But I, I couldn't get away from it. It was always in my head. Yeah. So I said, what I'm going to do, what we're going to do is we're going to film standing up independently and we're going to take the can. That's what we decided. So a couple of people got involved, Brian Hurley, Dave O'Callaghan, Rob Hayland was a BAFTA winning writer. He was involved as well. And I was really kind of flattered that he thought uh, we were worth pursuing, getting involved with, you know. Mm-hmm. So we filmed it and we went off to Cannes to MIPCOM, the television market. And we met them all over there. And uh, it was an amazing time and it was crazy and it was hectic and all that. But um, 
it's 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 really difficult. Did you feel like you belonged in, in, around all these people with, with what you were creating yourself with standing up? My God, what an interesting question yeah, about imposter yeah. syndrome. That's such an interesting question. Jesus, yeah. You're good at this, aren't you? you but <laughs> I suffer with a lot myself. You know, I yeah. did suffer with a lot, imposter syndrome. Mm. And for anyone that doesn't know what it is, James, you can explain it best. Yeah, do you know what I can do? What's standing out for me right now is uh, we've got uh, a live shows coming up in January and February in theatres, in the same theatres where Tommy Ternan has shows, Pashart has shows. And us, and it's like, who the fuck do we think we are? That's what I'd be thinking. We're not going to sell any tickets. Who, nobody wants to come to see us. That's imposter syndrome. Mm. Yeah. Isn't it a very kind of, um, I would say a corking, but a very Irish kind of attitude yes. to have as well, isn't it? Mm. Isn't, yeah. it isn't it something that's in our DNA a little yeah. bit? Like, you know, because you say that, I think every, all of us here can relate to something like yeah. that. Like, you know, mm. it's a very Irish thing. Rather than like, saying, like, I've worked really hard. I, I create something that people love and yeah. I'm here and merit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. It's like absolutely. the default is like, mm. what are you doing here? Yeah. And yeah. I can imagine like if I was in Cannes and I'm looking at Leonardo DiCaprio and I'm looking at, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yeah. And we're independent producers mm. from a small city in Western Europe. I can imagine how that could yeah. bring up imposter syndrome in somebody. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great question. It was... There was definitely an element of that, yeah. There was definitely an element of that. I, it's man, I never spoke with that before. I suppose uh, you do have that going over there, but you also have, I suppose, you're streetwise enough to know I'm going to put on my best face here mm-hmm. for the crowd, and I'm going yeah. to walk in. It's 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 very interesting. Like it reminds me of a couple of things. Now that you 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 asked me that, every meeting my goal was I made them laugh in the first ninety seconds. Mm-hmm. Because I knew, I knew the crack with the elevator pitch yeah. that you go in and you go, right, this is our show. Look, I feel really passionate about it and all that. And that's all great. But I was thinking, what if we came in and just, just that was our goal, just make them laugh. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like anything. And it's stupid stuff. Like, I mean, all the windows were out across cancer. So the sun is pouring in the window and you, you walk in. Just horrible outside, isn't it? Or just, you know, uh, anything. Just like, well, what if it, anything to, to stand out. Like, that wouldn't be your yeah. best material, but you know, you're kind of trying to make them laugh. You're going from that perspective. But after a while then, um, you're dealing with all these people and uh, it's just, it's the strangest thing trying to, and I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. I'll never go over again saying, please look at this. It's really good. And I've done it. Would you be interested in having a look at it? I'll never do it again. I'll work with people forever. Myself and Jar have worked together for a long time. And it's just been amazing. But I, I'll never beg someone to work with me again. I'll never do it. But anyway, we met them over there. The trailer opened a lot of doors. Mm. Um, the trailer, which is it's now on uh, YouTube on our old team productions YouTube page. It opened a lot of doors. It did because it was kind of interesting because none of them could meet us. Mm. And then we said, okay, look, have a look at that and get back if you're interested. And then they'd clear a slot for you. So, all right, this is actually worth talking about. Because you can mm. see in the trailer that Jura's character is fascinating and that it is, dare I say, it, it, it is quite funny, I think. Mm. Yeah. So we met them and uh, we, we got offered 25% of the funding, right? And uh, we knew we had another 25, 26% back in Ireland. But I came home and I was just burnt out. I was just completely, I was burnt out from it. And uh, I remember, I still remember the moment that I realized that, God, this this isn't going to work for me at all. I was in a post-production house in Dunleary and in promenade post-production with 
the people there who are helping. And uh, I remember looking out the window and thinking, this is not what I want. I'm just burnt out completely. Do you know, from just listening to your story, there's a film, there's a story in the story about the film. You know that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, straight up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. Like I would be definitely looking at half one standing up as a success. Mm. I'd be looking at maybe doing something about how yourself and you're connected. If there's a story to that and it's very, very interesting. Yeah, Trust me. It is. Yeah. That, uh, thanks. But at that point, it was really weird because I had a little bit of a storm in my head at the time. Mm. I come back from Cannes. Everything was great. All these people were kind of saying it was great and this and that. But I knew I was, I didn't feel that the TV crowd was really for me outside. Like I met people out there who were falling over us and I was thinking, oh my God, we're going to make history. And then they literally would disappear off the face of the earth. I'm serious. I've never experienced it before. Just apt to be absolutely and utterly ghosted three or four times a day. To be ghosted once is tough. Mm. And anyone listening who's been ghosted will... But ghosted with somebody that sounds so promising as well. You know, that's mm. ghosted by somebody that sounds so Explain ghosted just to some so, people that might not. Well, sorry, sorry, yeah, I should have said that. What I meant by ghosted was someone who displays so much promise to you and mm. so much interest in you and thinks you're great and all that, and then literally vanishes off the face of the earth and never emails you back, never rings you back. Ever. And I mean nothing. Mm. I mean, yeah. not even a, sorry, Gary, we watched the show and it's actually mm. brutal and I like, suppose if you're suffering already with imposter syndrome and something like this is happening it's justifying the way you're feeling yeah well, and it's just you, you, you could shrink me? down very quickly like yes but you've, been, just, you, yeah. you've been promised something now and you've yeah. if your chest yeah. open all of a sudden it's is that is that industry is it yeah. is it all like false and kissing ass and in front of your face and then kind of there's definitely a little bit yeah. of that like but I'd be the first to say like there's amazing people in the in the industry yeah but by the time you meet them, like you're shook. Mm. You're just, oh my God, I'm worn out from this. But but, but it's really, um, it's, I think it's an unhealthy process anyway to walk in front of someone and say, this is what we've done. Like, do you like it? Mm. I think it's very important. I think from a mental health perspective, you can't be seeking validation from the outside world. My mother mm. would have always said to me growing up, you have to be self-sufficient. Mm. Get yourself right. So whatever that is, train, eat well, go to counseling, do whatever you need in your life to get right. And don't be going around saying like sitting in front of Simon Cowell going, oh, Simon, what do you think? You know? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. But you know when you're Because you're, you're often dealing with someone yeah. who's painful anyway. But you know when you're um, making a movie, and you've limited resources. Is this something that you just have to do? As in to put it in front of them? Yeah. Well, like if you need funding for it. Yeah. At that, at that time, I suppose we did because that's what I wanted. And that was the train that I, I put myself onto. Mm-hmm. You know, you think this is what I want to do. I want to make this, na, na, na. Yeah. But honestly, when I was sitting in Dunleary in that room, I was thinking, what, what did I? What did I want to do this for? What What am I here for? Mm. And what I realised in that point was that I just love creative things, mm. and I love making them, and that I have no interest in money, and I have no interest in fame. Mm. It was just the thing. It was the world I had in my head. Like when I was younger, I felt like saying, "God, you're a spacer," but the world has become very real in my head, mm. and I just wanted to present them and I knew once I met Jar, 
oh my God, yeah. that was the link. Because without Barry, I, I, nothing, without Jar, nothing would happen. We wouldn't be sat here, nothing would have happened. So then I left on Leary and then there was all the talk. And I, I genuinely felt I was leaving a lot of people down from Jar to all the cast and all the people involved. I just couldn't, oh God, I, I know I could have went off and got it all together and made it. I, I think that mm. I could be wrong. It's way harder to do than it is to sit here and say it. Mm. But I just, I had to, I left it. I left it slide and I said, no, we leave it, we'll move away and we won't do it. We'll never put that note. And in my head, it was that way for quite a while. And then we chatted. Every time I chatted to Jara, I was thinking, God, it'd be great to do something. All right. But I, I, I went to win. I did it in business. Then you get caught up. Like, mm. you know, what did John Lennon say? Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Exactly. Yeah. And you're off. I was off teaching. The Cork School of Economics was flying. Jesus, about 800 students just buzzing. It was like, yeah, but I, the standing up to me was in the back of my head, but I was always saying, that voice will leave. That annoying thought will leave. It won't annoy me anymore after a while. And I, I leave it off. Look, I learned a lot from it. Leave it. Mm. But then when COVID happened, I had nowhere to escape from the thought of it. I was like, oh, you never did that. You said you'd do it. You never followed through on it. And you never got it out to the world, despite all the efforts of all the cast all the crew, all the work you put in yourself and the potential it had. And then I, so what I said I do, because I know myself well at this point in my life, what I said I do was I get the hard drive with all the files on it, with all the, the shooting files and the audio files, and I put it by my bed. Do you remember I was telling yeah, you that? Yeah, yeah. I put it by my bed and I remember it had a bit of red tape and, I, and it just keep catching your eye and I put it there because I knew it would annoy me. I mean, every night going to bed, I'd nearly say, oh, Lord, oh leave me alone, Bible. Yeah, I knew it would annoy me. And I knew it would annoy me enough. I knew it that eventually I'd have to do something with it. And then over Christmas last year, I was saying, I have to do that next year. I have to do that next year. And on January 4th, I started back at it. Got the kind of money and time, definitely a time now, mm. to, to work at the edit. And then... It was amazing, like, you know, so many amazing people in Cork, like, mm, there is, uh, yeah. like bands like Ruby Horse, um, you know, bands like Atlas Zero, Left Bank, Decky Lucy, um, Cry Haradan from up the country, just gave me all their music, all of it, all their albums, everything. Just, this is all our music, love what you're doing, just fill your boots. Yeah. Mm. I was like, oh my God, like Sasha Roos, the dyslexia consultant oh, yeah. in Cork at Auburn involved, mm. Rob, Rob Haland, as I say, who, who was a BAFTA winner and getting involved with me, who was a nobody. I was saying, oh my God, we could get this finished. So then I started looking at it and just saying, kind of driving it on, driving on. I was like starting at a mountain. I said, mm. I'm not doing it. Again, it was like, oh God, I'm not doing it. Where do I even go from here with all these files, all the things to do on the computer? And I just said, I just said, I just be nearly screaming at myself, get it done, get there one step at a time. And what I've learned now is that when I'm going to bed at night, I always think about, oh my God, look what you achieved today. I always think about, you got this done, this done. Even if it was being at the gym, you lifted this, you lifted that, you lifted this, well done. And I never think of all the things I have to do. Mm -hmm. And I never think of them now until I'm at the computer. Or if I'm in the gym, I never think of them until I'm right there. Yeah. Because I'll psych myself out of it, mm -hmm. as we all do. So at that point, then mm. the cast were meeting and Jura's been amazing support and other actors like John Carroll and all the lads involved in it, brilliant people. And we said, we release it New Year's Day. Let's just cut the show, the pilot, get it nailed the way, it, the mm. way we had set out to. Cut it into one special, 
use all the great music, use all the great performances, cut it into one 35-minute special, in a full story arc, put it out New Year's Day, and it fo- that focuses on dyslexia and anxiety, put it out to the world and uh, let it become part of kind of finished business mm. rather than unfinished business. So, Joe, mm. you play the main part. Yeah. So Barry Collin. Barry. So tell us a little yeah. bit about Barry. Well, every time I get a call yeah. from Gary, it's all right, Bar. <laughs> that's that's that, that's all. That's all saying, yeah. <laughs> all right, Bar. I say, all right, Des. That's the story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did, did did you know um, anything about um, people with dyslexia? Uh, with dyslexia yeah, yeah I, just a little bit, just a little bit. I I would consider myself to be mildly dyslexic. Okay. Uh, my sister is dyslexic, um, but I think that for someone with dyslexia, we're probably in better times than what we were before. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister is a psychiatric nurse. Um, and uh, she's she's a very high achiever, always has been. She doesn't do anything by house. And she's she is completely dyslexic. Like mm. she had the aid through her leaving cert and what have you. Uh, but she's accomplished so much on an academic level mm. while being dyslexic. So mm. now we're in a position where we know like, no, look, dyslexia has nothing to do with kind IQ. of your mental IQ yeah. uh, ability or anything like that. So in, in some ways, yes. Um, Luckily, like like my my one of my other passions in life is is magic. I love magic, um, but like magic is actually, I think, a good thing for someone that is dyslexic or mildly mildly dyslexic, uh, dyslexic because, um, if I'm ever, I I would initially learn from books, and if you have to learn magic from a book, you have to break it into tiny tiny segments mm. anyway. Yeah. So you're forced to read slow, and you're mm. forced to kind of reevaluate because there might be something to explain out to hold a deck of cards in your hand. It might take three pages to explain the finger positions mm. and everything else. So you're forced to kind of break it down, go back over it, make sure everything is right. And that's eventually how I actually read. I just read things very very slow. Yeah. So if you put something up in front of me right now, maybe panic might kick in or what have you and mm. I might start tripping up on myself but in my own time I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely fine with it you know it's, it's mm. uh, so and to answer shortly little bits yeah I would like but mm. never never had you know never had it evaluated officially or what have you but, but like there are other mem- members of my family who would, would consider themselves very dyslexic as well and you had a fantastic lady as well welcome to Sasha who's um, she's basically an expert in, in, in people with dyslexic yeah and learning differences mm. and stuff like that and uh, she's helped me massively and she's been on and she's helped an awful lot of people because we got some fantastic feedback about mm. it but it's, she also helped you an awful lot as well to understand it, didn't she, Gary? Brilliant, to me. Yeah. It's so Sash is at www.dyslexiasupport.ie. Mm. I just every time I speak, I give Sasha a mention because Sasha was a stranger to me when this started. Mm. I just emailed, I just emailed her, and I just said, "This is who I am, and this is what we're trying to do." And it, that was it. Yeah. She just, I'd say, mm. two days later, we mm. were sat in Costa having a coffee. Yeah. And she just kind of, she was, she just had an eye on the whole project. I didn't write a single thing on, um, on dyslexia without running it by her. And just the education she gave me on it, mm. you know, the amount of people who are dyslexia and who are dyslexic, excuse me, and how they think and how they, how, how they're often so creative and so intelligent. And this is where, it's mad, I can even feel it now as I'm talking about it. I, I just used to visualize the kind of prison cell that it was for a young person who's dyslexic. And you know, when you become a parent, and uh, I, I have one son, Kyron. Hello, Kyron, if you're listening. Great name. But uh, yeah, mm. but uh, 
He, but like I, I placed myself, God, if that was my son, who was dyslexic in the classroom and I just placed myself in the prison cell of being in the seat and the teacher walking to the blackboard and that panic and fear. Like I remember talking to a cousin of mine who was saying that they used, I was saying this to you on the phone the other night, Tim, that they used, the teacher would have a full blackboard of writing and he'd say, they'd all be taking it down and he'd say, um, are y'all done? And they'd all go, yeah. And my cousin would go, yeah. And he'd look, he'd have maybe three words on the page. Mm. And that's panic. And that's repeated panic. Yeah. And it's repeated anxiety. Mm. And I just, I thought, oh my God, what a place to exist. And also then I'd say it becomes huge for people when it becomes this big secret. Like, I, I don't know what I would do if I was in school. I had this real sneaky suspicion that say if you were Barry Collin, you had this sneaky suspicion that you're a genius and then every test score tells you that you're stupid. That's dangerous mm. because that 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 skews with all your beliefs and your yeah. self-interpretations. Mm. And I just, it's mad. I, I, I uh, as Sasha used to talk to me about it, I couldn't imagine what that was like. And then Sasha would introduce me to all of the people she would work with, all the young people. Oh, I'm telling you, you'd nearly be in tears talking to them, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's great that you're bringing something like dyslexia to the forefront as well yeah. and making a film about it really really helps people to understand this particularly people that might be dyslexic because the last thing they want to do is read a book because they get anxious like yeah. myself so if they see a film and it's about comedy which may be funny and they're learning also about dyslexia yeah it's fantastic it's a great idea yeah you know it's one absolutely of, one of the great. key messages as well in it um it and thanks for that is um is that everyone who seeks out help everything improves once you seek out help mm-hmm. like there ha- i think everyone should do a scan of their lives and think is there someone is there anyone in my life that i could just say to that i'm feeling really anxious mm-hmm. you know even it mightn't be a family member it's hard to speak to family because if i said something to my mother she wouldn't sleep for six months you know mm-hmm. oh, gee, what's up with him oh he's off again <laughs> but uh here we go oh jesus but uh but you could say it to someone you know and then you just push them in the right direction mm-hmm. like you'd be flattered when someone approaches you and tells you they're under pressure because that's where so much of the inspiration for this came from. Like students would approach after class. And oh, you see students and the sweat pouring off them. Mm. You know, big rugby players, I think oh, I was on the beer last night. And they're having panic attacks. They're not mm. even saying it. And they come yeah. up and they say, look, I have chronic anxiety of this, this, this. And um, I wonder what is it about contemporary society? Because I remember when I went over to the, um, you know, the Life Centre, Dan O'Leary, it's a school, it's an alternative, it's an informal education institution for... Where's that, yep, James? It's up in between Sunday as well and Blarney Street. Cool. But um, it's for people that left school, secondary school age, but they're taught kind of one-to-one and um, in a kind of a non-formal setting. But uh, when I was going up there as a student on placement and as a volunteer, I was thinking like, there won't be a lot of delinquents now that got thrown out of school. <laughs> Couldn't be further yeah. from the truth. Mainly anxiety. Like what you want? They just, yeah. they, they can't cope in the big setting or if they're, they get lost down the back of the class or if they're in a big school, they just get lost and they just do really well kind of one-to-one. Right? Well, isn't that also highlighting at the same time, like the, like we have a problem with the educational system that's in place at the moment. Like it's really not for everybody. There is different yeah. levels of, of ways of educating, you know? Yeah. I was, um, and it's not, it's not been able to, and it's not even, like, I think they're probably better yeah. now, but you just, you know, segregate that 
section of mm. the classroom that you know th- th- they're talented in other ways in regards to mm. how their mind thinks whether yeah. they're dyslexic not dyslexic and so on there's there's a way around that too you're you're 100 right it's school there's a way around that and it's about getting all kids assessed at a young age particularly yeah. kids oh. that teachers spot teachers need to be informed and educated around these areas dyslexia dyspraxia all these different mm. you know um Dyscalculia, and they need to be educated for the, the the characteristics of it. So they'll pick a child, and the child needs to be screened. They're bringing screening into the English schools. You know, all kids will be screened in England. Yeah, and um, and I only recently found that out myself. We were, I was asked to do an interview with some radio station, and we were speaking about that, and they were talking about bringing screening. And I think it's oh. one of the best yeah. ideas that they've ever ever came up with. It'd be interesting, like if they just brought in as mandatory every child yeah. that goes to school gets screened. Like how many people yeah. would actually show up as being unbelievable? Yeah. Imagine, imagine in every primary school in Ireland, if we taught them economics mindfulness and had them all screened Mm. and made everything else a bit of a choice like you change the world Irish gives kids with dyslexia and other languages massive anxiety Mm. massive I used to get anxiety over English (laughs) (laughs) never mind Irish and that's the the truth of it you know when you're from Holly Hill English is a second language isn't it I actually, it's, it's, it's when you come out, when I came out of my area, it's, it's like my vocabulary then had to change. I had to learn new words. It was different because where we came from, we had our own language. We had our own lingua. Yeah. We, Can I know? ask you a question? Do you know when you, you know, when you're growing up and you're struggling in school mm. and you come out of it and school doesn't go that well for you and you're seen as someone who's a waster or whatever. Is that what, is that what often triggers bad life choices then well that's what i'm seeing as mm. so that's how i'm going to act it, that's that what it felt like it, at times because you were saying yeah. you had a couple of tough times it's definitely it's definitely something that adds to it you mm. know that as well as a lot of other difficulties growing up like trauma and stuff like that mm. would add to it the school experience would add to it mm. you know um it, it's more around the belief systems that i had growing up because of things that were going on within the family environment and stuff like that they gave me core my core beliefs of of mainly but because i wasn't able to the focus in school because i was dyslexic mm. and it was un, undiagnosed until the age of 30 36 mm. you know these like I, I went through my whole life believing that I was thick. Yeah, yeah. I was stupid. Yeah. I never ever even tried to educate myself before that. And I would have failed exams due to my carpentry and joinery and, and all these different things, still not knowing that I had a learning difference, you know. Um and but let's go back a small bit and I'll talk about the screening, where the screening comes in then, right? If the screening is in place kids can get that adequate health that they need at the young age without going through life with the belief that they're they're slow or they're stupid because they're the beliefs that come with it mm. because mm. you're not getting as much yeah. attention because you're being segregated from the rest of the kids in, in the classroom because you're not able to keep up the same so if you're spelling a word for me and i'm not kidding but you know if you're spelling a word for me you will have to say a b C, you can't say A, B, C, D, E, F, G. 
you know that's yeah. how it's spelled yeah. I cannot mm. I'll have to say and I get anxious then yeah of course you do I yeah. get anxiety because I'm trying to keep up with you and, and then what can kick in then is oh, oh you're not adequate you're not you're, you're, you're not there's something wrong with you it's you're a jigsaw stupid. puzzle of emotions that are exactly. contributing to it like you exactly. know it's like we need to it, it needs listen if we want to do more for the future of our country and the people that are going to be running the country yeah. down the line, we need to do more now for the kids and that and screening for for these learning differences is, mm. is, is critical to that. Well, we have uh, Michal Martin in a few weeks, so maybe we'll uh, yeah. have a chat with Michal. How, how, how do you think it has, like, like, I would have thought that there is definitely, it has changed from when I was in school. Mm-hmm. It has because you were you would have just been called tech if you were you know or you would have been, you yeah. know but if there's no screening being done in schools um it's too costly it's, then there, there's people then just yeah. going through the system yeah. believing that yeah do you know what i mean yeah. like in college you'll go through the access you know programs and you'll get you know laptops you'll get to sit your exams in different rooms you'll get support and all that but in schools and like not all schools are the same do you know what I mean yeah of course it's dependent on the principal the schools have autonomy do you know what I mean but and what you're not, talking about is early intervention as well it's, early it's intervention not just, it's not yeah. just it's not just wait until you early intervention is the key so then yeah. when somebody's going through primary school it, they're aware of it they have the support so then they're not by the time mm. they hit their teens they don't have those in our core beliefs like what you spoke about I'm thick mm. not to say drama mm. I'm not thick I'm so intelligent I just fucking find it hard to do this yeah but um, just but keep it, back it, on. Go on. So no, man. I was just about to bring back to the movie because we're trying to solve the world's problems. Before we go back to the movie. Yeah. Oh, New Year's Day, by the way. Yeah. YouTube. But uh, isn't that New Year's Day today, no? No. Oh, it is. Uh, it is, uh, it is uh, happy New Year. That was an inside joke there, though, because yeah. that doesn't make sense to anybody else. But is there yeah. is there anything in society worse than being seen as stupid? Because if you're seen as stupid in society, no one treats you with respect. Mm. No one, because oh, he's stupid. That's Gary. There, he's stupid. Yeah. You said he's stupid. You, you're never respected. Like I always remember growing up in Douglas, and you know you're in the bar and you're giving your opinion. No one cares. Yeah. Oh, Gary, shut up. Yes, you're the first Douglas yeah. person we've had on. Isn't really? Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. That's a, but you're that's like, very exciting well, for and, me. And, but, and you internalize that then, yeah. but that can affect you. But when you're areas of your but, life. Yeah. Exactly. The point. What was I trying to, oh yeah, so when you're in the barn, you're just saying to say, oh, God, oh whatever, go on, on. Yeah. But this man, when I got a job in a college, all of a sudden when I say something in the barn, they just listen. Oh, they, I said, he teaches in a college, he? he's worked on. Mm. And I'd be like, I'm the same you're clown he was. Yeah. I was the same clown I was a month ago, what he thought about. But I can't imagine what it would be like to be just treated like an idiot. And particularly when so many dyslexic people are capable of massive things. Mm. I was talking to um, to Stan Knott this morning and he was saying he reckons, he was reading something that was saying approximately 60% of entrepreneurs are dyslexic. Mm. It's unbelievable. Like, mm. so like, you know yeah. what I mean? So they have that creative yeah. side of there. But um, the movie is out on New Year's Day, which is this podcast will go on New Year's Day. Yeah. So hopefully we can divert some traffic towards where, yeah. where can people access it? So where, you, where you'll see this is on um, our, our our YouTube page, Old Team Productions, Old Team Productions. It'll go out at three o'clock Brilliant. and it'll be it'll be spread across, you know, Facebook in particular. It's, it, the trailer's doing the rounds yeah. on WhatsApp as well. Brilliant. What, what's the storyline of it again? Give us a quick one on the storyline. It's pure Cork City now, man, because yeah. it's Cockland outside Cork City, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, the story is um, the main character, played by Jar 
uh, Barry Collin is he's a genius and he's but he's dyslexic and he can't read and he wants to be uh, he wants to be a, a stand-up comedian and he wants to write comedy but he suffers from chronic anxiety he has a best friend who's played by me who's uh, who isn't short of confidence let's put it that way and uh, he's bouncing he's bouncing around the place and Barry is the complete opposite like my character would just hop up and say you want to give it a second time I'll be off like but Barry is you know high intellect he's a higher intellect than my character and uh He's um, he suffers from overthinking and anxiety, and uh, he fears the stage. But he would love to do it because it's his dream, mm. and our dreams often kind of scare us. And uh, it kind of it kind of goes from that. Really, my character is trying to push him forward, maybe for his own gains and so on. And it's I I love the struggle between what you look like publicly, because and how you are in your own private spaces. Like you're out in the bar with the lads. Barry is the character, is very popular, looks great, like, you know, hanging out with all this. But back in his own bedroom and back in his own house, that's when the wheels start turning and they're not, they're not always making positive mm. noises. And uh, he goes to some very dark places in his head, but um, he seeks out help and things start to turn a little. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. That sounds good. Yeah. Sounds very interesting. But there's also sub, yeah. sub lines there as well. Like it is a story about friendship as well between mm. like like you know Barry and Desi are, are tight. Like they like mm. I, there's a sense of like that Desi is the re, uh, uh, he said like um, Desi you know for his own game wants Barry to get up on stage, but really Desi's probably the only one that ever understands him. Really, mm. like knows exactly what Barry's going on, but it's, it's almost unspoken uh, mm. between the two of them. Yeah. Um, so there is a sense of real friendship. Do you know that's, what I mean? There's, there's, yeah. there's a sense of real friendship. So there's a couple of things there that that yeah. everybody can pull from. And like you don't crack, need to be dyslexic to enjoy the, the show. Like oh, you know, yeah, it's, it's comedy. It's a great yeah, yeah, comedy, you know comedy, comedy drama. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 But I, I think as well. I think a huge thing in life is we all. I've definitely been guilty of this growing up and stuff. You assume everyone has the same perspective as you. Mm. You know. And mm. like, you don't know where someone else, where they are in their head that day. Like my character looks at Barry, says, you know, obviously knows you're talented. I've seen stuff you've written and, you know, you could do it and just go up on stage by what's the problem? Like, yeah, the, the gig is only 20 minutes and in the show, the gig's yeah. only 20 minutes. You know, Desi would talk in 20 minutes for 20 minutes before he go up there, do you know? Yeah. Mm. But it's different for other people and people have other fears and other things. Some things terrify some people and other people don't even give them a second thought. And it's about understanding and learning that as well. And my character learns a lot in the show um, about it through his own mistakes, really. Brilliant. Mm. Best of luck with it. Yeah. Best of luck with the line. And sure it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Sure yeah. it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And time to kick off 2022 for you. Yeah. On the first day of the year. And uh, I'd just like to say uh, thanks so much for having us on. Pleasure. Um, it's it's really all the support around Cork has been really uh, it's been really touching like yeah. and I just to thank a few people if that's okay for it. like Ernest Cantlin inside and, um, Electric I know Ernest and Sober yeah. great yeah. guy we shot uh, Sober Lane we shot inside there for a number of days shot inside Collins Bar 
That's where Rowan's local. Yeah. <laughs> one of our own. Full circle here. But uh, Adele Curtin in there was just brilliant to us. We shot. In the, we shot. <laughs> you didn't, oh, you didn't shit in Collins. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one for the blooper. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, didn't the, you say that in this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> say what you might know. It was all going well till the end, wasn't it? And Gary let himself down again. <laughs> oh. But we shot. Uh, we shot loads of it in Lee Valley. Yeah. Golf and Country Club and Dave Johan let us shoot out so much there. Um, what else did I say about it? Carl O'Reilly from Red Rock is in it. Pascal Scott, who's one of Cork's best known faces, is in it. John Carl, brilliant, you know, first venture out into the acting world. Neil O'Dwyer, Neil Colin, all these people. John Ryan Howard, great Cork actor. Um, and they're all involved in it. And it's been just, um, I just want, I really want to mention them because, um, they did so much for me in the project. I'll never forget it, honestly. Mm. It was a complete gamble, the whole thing, from the off. You know, you got money together. God, we're going to make a movie. You're going to, why aren't you a teacher? Yeah, but I'd like to do this. And if people don't believe in you, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. Even the launch of this trailer, it's gone around car. But if the people around me didn't have some belief in me, I would have done nothing. It would have just been embarrassing. Yeah. And I can't wait for the world to see it on New Year's Day, day because I'm I'm so happy with how it turned out. Brilliant. I'm delighted. And uh, maybe down the line, we might do uh, Timmy and James and Outside Story. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You're writing yeah. that as yeah. we speak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to get on to Colin Farrell to play me anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Timmy, who's going to play you then? <laughs> Hash Ark. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, lads. Oh, brilliant. Thanks. Only joking, Pat. Only joking. Joel will play me. Yeah, hey, there you go. I'll have to plan a bit of muscle. Uh, <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. And, God bless. and thanks for having Cheers, us in lads. on New Year's Day oh, again. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much. Thanks. God bless. Bye-bye. Ruby Frankie was known by millions as a very tough mom. That's exactly the way she wanted it. The social media star amassed a huge following of supporters and detractors alike preaching the values of strict discipline. But you'll learn in a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus how the small empire built by this momfluencer crumbled the moment her 12-year-old son escaped their home and called 911. Wondery and Law and & Crime bring you the new podcast The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie, which explores the allegations of starvation, torture, and emotional abuse leveled against Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. Learn about the family's path to stardom, the depravity investigators uncovered inside the home, and hear in-depth analysis of the ongoing criminal trial. Listen to the rise and fall of Ruby Frankie exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.